doing well. So um, this week we are covering the rest of Romans. I started last Good morning. Good morning. Um, I started last week on, on Romans and then we're going to finish that up a little bit and then hop into Ephesians and Colossians. So um, any um, reflections or thoughts or eureka moments uh, from last week or um, just let me know how your progress is doing because we're about halfway done. We are halfway done. We got um, the pastoral and then the general. and then That's pretty much it. So um, how are you guys doing as far as the studying and it does it make sense as far as the New Testament trying to break it up in groups and things of that sort? Let me know how y'all feel about this study so far. Um, I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm just I think for me it's all about trying. It's like I'm just waiting for that, for lack of better words, that eureka moment where okay. a lot of this stuff just. Like it, it like, like how it just comes together with dates and times, you know, and just putting it together. I'm just waiting for that moment to where I don't have to go back to my notes as much. And I'm just like, yes, that's right. It's, this was done. And, you know, cause you know, it's things like, you know, you start learning dates about Ephesians and then you realize like some of these dates is like, okay, well, Paul did this while he was at Corinth. So it's like this date falls with this date. And that and it's just like, so I'm just waiting for that moment to just for me to just click with everything. And then that moment of being able to now that I'm looking at Acts as a history book rather than, you know what I mean? Let me go up here and and haru that, you know, but looking at it for I'm just waiting for all of it to just one day just click like bow. And I'm like, yes, I finally, it's it's in there somehow. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's gonna take some time and, and re- <laughs> I try to ask questions as often so I can get you guys going and get those, those thoughts going and try to connect some things and try to rephrase questions this, you know, to see if you can answer from this angle, things of that sort. So yeah, as we continue, um, it, it will start making sense um, after a while. So it just takes practice and rehearsal and just constantly going over it and over again. So, yeah. Anybody else experienced so far uh, with this study? How's it going? Um, any Eureka light bulb moments or anything of that sort? I would say for me, for the, um, the whole study, on the survey of the New Testament, the journey itself has, um, even though I had a uh, found a biblical foundation, if you will, mm-hmm. what it has done for me is uh, it has opened me in, in a different realm, if I could say it that way. And what I mean by that is, it helped me to put. Um, I was able and am able to walk in, uh, walk and look at the life of the people, or the person, or the author. Yeah. And I am able to now, even in my personal life or what I am doing spiritually, it has forced me to move in a realm to where I make sure that I, 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 it's line upon line, precept upon precept, that things stay in context. And, and even then having the, um, 
having the ability, if you will, to what has been taken out, out of context is to bring meaning to it, the right meaning to it, to um, those that I am engaged with or in my circle of influence. So it has been very rewarding for me as a student of the word uh, uh, and has helped me because uh, I, now, now I know why I, I, God sent me the way he sent me for such a time as this, because it has taken what I had and stretched it a little more to help me to bridge understanding. And uh, uh, so it has been awesome. Uh, it is awesome. And I thank you for being uh, committed and loyal to the calling on your life to be the teacher you are to help uh, those who do have a biblical foundation, a strong biblical foundation, those who don't, but even the less you help us to gain greater understanding no matter where we are. Hey, mother. Oh, mother, I got a question for you. Because um, I noticed you said bridging, trying to bridge what you had. Like, how has that been like, how's that journey been for you trying to bridge that? And I'm only saying, cause for me, I couldn't walk it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was just like, nope, I just got to throw it all down, you know, to try to gain this understanding. And maybe one day I'll go back and pick up some other stuff. But how has it been like walking that bridge of everything you've learned down through the years and then hearing something that says, whoa, let me look at this at a different lens. Like, how's that been for you? Well, you know, I'm old school, meaning I come from a wig back there. <laughs> so, uh, and I know uh, uh, Camille don't like for us, or, or, you know, well, I'm going to say this word, but not in the word that I'm trying to give some new revelation, but uh, in the revelation of it, meaning that uh, the revealed uh, you know, when you come from way back, uh, been in church all your life and come from way back. And so you can only walk out what you know. You can only walk out to the degree of what, what you have been taught. But the beauty of it is, it's okay, you know, that broken across that bridge, getting new, getting better uh, information, if you will, or, uh, or getting that revelation or that revealed, it's been revealed to you, has, has uh, given me a greater reward, if you will, on my teaching and on my uh, uh, helping other people to walk out this uh, spiritual life. So the, uh, the walk across the bridge, it's been very rewarding. I don't, I don't stop and say where I came from. It, it was all bad because I respect the people who taught me. I respect those preachers or whatever it was at the time uh, over 30 some years because they only gave me what they had and what they knew. But uh, when yeah. you continue to walk on the Lord, he is so gracious and so full of of grace and mercy that even if your heart is right because he said i look so he look on the man's heart and if your heart is to know him if your heart is to want him that even then he'll take even wrong teaching and make it right <laughs> yeah okay yep that's awesome um for those who are coming in i just kind of posed a question on how is this teaching going for you so far we're um just about at the halfway mark and um, we're just talking, just giving reflection on how it kind of changed the way you looked at scripture and just your experience so far through the readings and, and things of that sort. So anybody can chime in um, if they like. Well, um, when I think about it, I'm not sure at this point 
how much new stuff we're receiving because we've been receiving this for the past several months now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily being blown away by anything new. If you mean just this class. Just this. Yeah. I'm not being blown away, but because the teaching has been coming forth for some time now since introduction to the Bible and all the other stuff we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I praise the Lord for illumination and, uh, you know, we're learning new stuff, but it's not blowing me away. Okay. Well, I pray that it's kind of shaping the way that you're approaching scripture. That's kind of the goal is to um, look at the way that we've been approaching scripture and making sure that we're looking at the historical um, context of scripture to make sure that we're interpreting it correctly. So yeah, we've been um, trying to emphasize that ever since, I guess, the beginning of this this program, Inception and things of that sort. So um, anybody else, um, anybody else experience concerning this, just this whole experience of just uh, survey the New Testament, um, looking at the books differently, things of that sort. Anybody else? Yeah, what I'll say for me is I'll never miss another class. (laughs) I'll say that only because for me being, you know, being an elder, but also me feeling the way that I do sometimes, um, I know now without a shadow of a doubt that I can't afford to miss, you know, like I can't afford to miss um, um, because I'm going to need this information at some point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when I don't have the information that I need, you know, it kind of holds me back, mm-hmm. you know, from doing the things that needs to be done concerning whatever I have to do. And so, um, um, and like I had told you before, you know, I have, I've experienced feeling like I was lost, um, kinda, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, um, just me not missing um, is important. And, um, you know, I'm, I've just been getting a lot of illuminations, you know, about what you've been teaching and um, my thoughts and feelings on it. And, um, and I appreciate it. You know, I, I appreciate the challenge, you mm-hmm. know, and not so much the challenge of the work, but the challenge of the thought process, the challenge of the mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just the challenge, you know, um, because we all come from different places and, um, and different experiences. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to learn things that you didn't, didn't know that goes against exactly what you always thought, you know what I mean? And so, um, so, you know, it's just been, you know, a blessing to be challenged in that way, but also to, um, understand that I can't miss because I'm going to look, because I'm, 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 I'm going to miss something, you know? So, um, TLC has been really good for, for, for me, you know, challenging, but good. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. 
said that, Elder Lindsay, because that's been, you know, what you're talking about needing it has been part of my experience. I remember a couple of months ago, somebody was trying to debate me in the scriptures. And I was like, no, that was instituted in Exodus and this, 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 and this, and this, and, you know, the feast days. And, you know, I, I just went in there and I was like, Ooh, where'd you get all that knowledge from? Then I said to myself, TLC, glory to God. So, um, you know, it's, it's like, you can't be shaken anymore or, or, you know, shut, you know, shut down because of people coming up with the two or three scriptures they memorized trying to debate you on something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's good. So uh, I praise God for the challenge. It's a challenge for me as well. And I uh, praise God that um, it's helping you all and shaping you all and looking at scriptures in a different light, uh, things of that sort. So thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, uh, Tracy, for your um, input on that. Um, and so I just pray that we just continue to be diligent you know, and to learn the word of God. So uh, one yeah. more person. <laughs> Elder Camellia, I just yeah. want to thank you and and the whole team here. Um, all the classes have really been very beneficial to me. The discussions have been beneficial because um, as many of you have stated, we were not raised to learn the way that we're learning. Mm-hmm. And so um, when people come at me in a certain way or they make comments now, instead of me trying to um, prove that they're wrong, mm-hmm. I think about like what Wayman had said several classes ago, I think about where they're coming from and um, knowing that they don't know what I am learning. Right. So I have a little bit more compassion because um, if you're not taught, then you don't know. And, I, and I've been in church all my life, all my life. I, dad told me when I was a baby, when they took me to church, when the preacher was preaching, they'd say, I'd say, ah! Every time they said, well, the little awesome baby agrees with me and stuff like that. So I've been in church all my life, but I have not been taught this way and to, and to break the scriptures down and to know the writers and who they were um, teaching to, which makes a huge difference. So uh, for some of you, this might be a um, review for you. Um, because your elders, you know, more, but um, I'm, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. And it causes me to really, when I'm reading, to start breaking stuff down um, in my reading and trying to go to other scriptures as well. Good, good. That's, that's good to hear. Thank you for that. Uh, I think Tammy and then Sharon. Yeah, I was just going to say my experience is kind of different. I'm kind of behind on the reading because even in this book, the New Testament survey book, it's the small details that kind of are helping to shape my thinking on things. Yeah. Um, up with an Ameri- Americanized view of the gospel 
and the New Testament, then you get the little bits of history and it's kind of piecing things together. So that makes me go back and read it again. Like I'm gonna start this chapter all over again. So for me, those little things are helping to connect the dots um, versus I'm not being blown away, but those little things are really kind of like making me see things differently, dig a little deeper. So that's what I appreciate about it. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I have to reread Romans and Ephesians over again and go in the Bible and read the entire book again. Exactly. <laughs> I'm there with you. Yep. Uh, Sharon? Um, I have to say that this class really has been a blessing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of blown away by something that, um, you know, being in church my whole life that I learned when I was younger. But um, kind of piggybacking on what uh, Mother Eva said, you know, I, I thank God for that, those foundation that was built. And um, now it's kind of like this class is like revealing some things and um, kind of creating a, a spirit of wanting more knowledge and, you know, digging more into it. Like, wow, okay, yeah, I learned this, but, you know, let's, let's search for the truth and you know, and it's really, I praise God for those building blocks, you know, that was there. Cause I was like, man, I've been told this my whole life. Like, have I been lied to? But it's like, it's building those foundations. They were giving me what they had. Right. And it's, it was a foundation that was built. And it's up to me to go beyond that foundation to build more. So I praise God for you and this class. And it's really been a blessing. Yes. I'm, I'm glad to, to hear that. Um, because I had to come to a point as well, like, no, don't forsake my foundation or think that I was been lied to. But it's just, like you said, they just taught what they they knew. And I had the responsibility to go further in that thing. And I didn't take that responsibility. I just kind of took whatever they said for gold. And then when I finally stepped out and started learning, I'm just like, what? So, so I, I try not to think about them lying to me but it's just like like you said just building on upon what you know they they knew so yeah thank you for that thank you for that as well so okay someone else I love that I love that analogy of the foundation and the building because Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to stay you don't live in your foundation when you build a house you know you're supposed to put stuff on top of the foundation Mm mm-hmm Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like you said, you don't live on the foundation. You got to, you got to build like in uh, Corinthians. Um, and we, we need to learn how, how to build and be careful how we build as well, according to scripture. So yes. Yep. Thank you. All right. Cool beans. Um, thank you all for your input. Um, I see someone else unmuted. Did, Wayman, did you have something else? I, and you, you, I thought you were going to say exactly you just kind of, you said it, but even when Paul was telling them, like, you know, one man uh, plants, one man waters, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, and I realized that everything that I learned growing up was just some planting, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yes, some things came up as weeds and all that, but, you know, this is helping that watering and it's, and, and it's helping me to grow and it's bleeding over into Bible study preaching on Saturdays, you know, or teaching and going other places and teaching and, you know, just having conversations. So, you know, like we all been saying, and I, the Lord hit me with that 
some time ago, like, no, you don't disrespect what you got growing up. It's almost right. like disrespecting the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. Like, you don't do that. It had its purpose. Now you build from here. You know what I mean? Like, so it's even Paul teaches like, no, we're not going to disrespect that old covenant in the law, you know? So pretty. Yeah. So everything's pretty good. And 10 years from now, we all going to be like, Ooh, that foundation we got back in 2020, 2021, <laughs> that was all right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Amen. Amen. So thank you all for that. Thank you for all for that. Um, it's good to hear you all's input and in how this process is going. And we got a long way to go. So, <laughs> so I just uh, praise God for this journey. I wanted to make one quick announcement on Saturday, March 20th. Um, we will not have class on the 20th. I, I will be teaching out of town um, this is my yearly, <laughs> my yearly teaching out of town, uh, teaching on feast days and things of that sort. So I won't have, uh, yeah, we won't have class that day. So just make sure I'll make sure to send a reminder out, but on, I believe it's the 20th, uh, yeah, 6, 13, 20, yeah, uh, March 20th that we, we will not have class. Okay. All right, cool beans. So let's go ahead and um, finish up Romans and hop into Ephesians and Colossians. I really want to try to get these um, these books done today. All right, um, we're using the same PowerPoint from from last week. Um, we're finishing up the tail end of um, of Romans, and then we'll hop into the new PowerPoint, which is in the Dropbox and on the website as well. If you had a chance to retrieve it. Okay, so um, let me go to my notes here. All right, so with uh, Romans, we, we talked about how um, the, the church at Rome was not found by a particular person, um, and it wasn't found by one of the um, 12 apostles. It was actually founded, um, well, one of the, the proposal of uh, who found the churches. It was found by a group of disciples who attended the day of Pentecost. Um, as you know, um, when, when going to Pentecost, uh, when God gave the instructions, they're commanded to go to Jerusalem three times a year. And one of, and it's for the feast days. And one of the feast days is Pentecost. And so Jews who live around the region during that time, they will, they will uh, make that journey to Jerusalem. And so they believe that those who experience the day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, they believe that they went back and um, began to spread the gospel in Rome and began to, and, and started a, a church in Rome. Uh, we talked about the other uh, possibilities. Um, they believe that Peter started the church at Rome, but when you begin to look at the timeline of when Peter was in Rome, he didn't make it there till, till late. And, um, and he wasn't there when, um, the Jews were expelled out of out of Rome by Claudius, um, and the and Claudius he stopped all of the the synagogue worship and all that stuff. Peter wasn't there in Rome at that time; he was somewhere else. So it didn't really fit the timeline. And the last one, they believed that Cornelius uh, started the church there um, due to his experience he had. Um, 
with Peter. Um, he went back to Rome and began to start this, this church there. So there are a lot of speculations on who started the church, but uh, most many scholars leaned on the one of the disciples finding the church. And we talked about a little bit last week on how many people think that apostles start churches and things of that sort. But when we begin to look at these various churches, we see that that's not the case. Um, it's not a prerequisite. So if you find a church that doesn't make you an apostle and all that stuff, um, just regular disciples um, coming together, uh, finding the church. Um, that means they're coming in a uh, community of non-believers, preaching the gospel to non-believers and then forming a church. And uh, we don't have that, that opportunity here in the U.S. because the gospel has already been preached here. Um, so you may witness to one or two people, but as far as putting a community of non-believers together and to start a church, you don't see that. Um, and so that um, is kind of the biblical, uh, the biblical way of starting a church is, is gathering a community of non-believers. And, and that's what Paul did. He went to various cities, talked to non-believing Jews and Gentiles. Um, part, you know, help them convert over um, to, to the way and begin to teach and to live life amongst them. So, um, and so, yeah, so um, that's the one of the um, options for the, uh, the Roman church. So the place and date is that Rome, Romans was written from Corinth on the third missionary journey. Uh, Paul spent about three months in Corinth at the end of his third journey. So this will place the writing of, of his letter around 56 AD. Um, twice in the letter, the apostle Paul gives the reason for writing Romans. And so, you know, when we, when we look at a new um, letter, we automatically go to Acts to get, get the background. But like I said, the, uh, the Roman church was not found, found by Paul. So we're not gonna get that background information, okay? Um, let me see here. So when you look at the outline um, in your book, um, someone holler out the page number under Romans, um, the outline, because um, I don't have the physical copy, but um, you see the outline of the letter. Um, it talks about justification and sanctification and glorification. And it gives us a, a good view of salvation and um, how God dealt with the world as well, giving his revelation to the world. And they are without excuse um, because of the word that was given to the world. Um, and he talked about the, the sinfulness and the condemnation of men, um, the condemnation of the Jews and the condemnation of Gentiles, meaning that um, no one is uh, innocent of not knowing God. Um, that we're all guilty of some sort. Um, and so thank, thanks be unto God, he has called us, he has saved us and um, that we're able to live um, with him. Um, and so um, this is what the book of Romans is about. It's about uh, salvation. And so let's go to- On page 207. Thank you, thank you, 207. Thank you so much. Um, so let's go to um, the outlines on 207. So let's go back a little bit to the place and date of Romans. 
Um, let's see here and start at the uh, first paragraph by combining the historical data found in the book of Acts with statements made in Corinthian letters and Romans. It becomes clear that Romans, um, Romans was written from Corinth on the third missionary journey. He just said that Paul spent about three months in Corinth at the end of his um, end of his third journey. Um, at this time, he received a collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem and was headed there in order to deliver it. Okay, so remember the the main mission of Paul. The reason why he went on these missionary journeys was to collect an offering or collect um, funds for the poor in Jerusalem. And so while he went to these cities, he began to preach and teach in synagogues and begin to um, form these churches. And he fulfills the great commission that says, as you go, make disciples. And so you see that um, as we're looking at the churches, we looked at Galatia, we looked at Thessalonica, you know, we looked at the Corinthian church and now we're looking at Rome and um, how he is um, sending a word of encouragement back to Rome because it was told to, to Paul about their progress and how um, great it was going there in, in Rome. So he decided to, to write a letter to them. And here it is in Romans chapter one, verses eight through 12. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I'm, ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that some somehow by God's will, I may now last to see in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gifts and strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually encourage by uh, each other's faith, both yours and mine. So it was always a goal of Paul to make it to Rome. But as we continue to read his story in Acts, we found out that he never made it to Rome uh, because he uh, was dealing with some trouble trouble ahead. And so, um, and so he wanted to um, solicit their prayers. He wanted to pray for them. It was his goal to begin to spread the gospel over um, in that area of, um, of Spain. Let me see here if I have, I can pull up the map real quick here. So, well, Rome is, is not on this map here, but it's over, it's more over to, to the West here. Um, and so his goal is to spread the gospel going this way. And so, um, and so he wanted to, uh, solicit their prayers and, um, wanted for them for them to help him spread this gospel to this land over here, and so um, and so that was one of the another reason why he um, he wrote to them as well. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the purpose. I kind of talked about it a little bit in the book. It says twice in this letter, the apostle Paul gives the reason for writing Romans. He tells them he really wants to come see them, but circumstances have kept him from coming. Time. And again, he therefore is writing this letter. He hopes to come to them eventually, but probably realized he might not even arrive in Rome considering the trouble that he had, uh, he expected at Jerusalem and realizing that many sought his death. Um, to our knowledge, the church at Rome did not have any major doctrinal or practic practical problems that needed apostolic attention. 
It is not for such reasons. Paul uh, wrote Romans. However, likely um, he did have a number of reasons of writing. Paul wrote to enlist the help of the church at Rome for his missionary efforts to the West, including Spain. He wrote to emphasize the universality of the gospel of Christ. It is for Jews and Gentiles. He uh, wrote to give the church of uh, Jesus Christ a clear, comprehensive rep rep uh, presentation of the doctrine of salvation by faith. And he wrote for some personal reasons, including seeking prayer support for himself and hoping to have some spiritual fruit among them. So that's kind of just what I talked about there. Um, so it was a positive thing. Um, it was a positive letter. Uh, that Paul uh, wrote to the, the Roman church. And um, as you see in the letter, it talks about uh, justification, sanctification, and glorification in the letter. Okay. Um, let's see. And as, and as you see on the, on the outline, you see justification and you see sanctification, uh, Roman numeral number four, and then number five is the place of Israel and the plans of God that talks about, you know, glorification and, and things of that sort. And then the conclusion. So, um, so the, the theme of Romans is righteousness. So this letter uh, discusses in detail the righteousness that God provides for sinful mankind. This is not only a righteousness that God approves. The epistle also discussed the kind of righteous, righteous living that ought to characterize those who are believers in Christ. And so you, you'll get that too in this letter. Um, talk about uh, how we've been called, uh, we've been um, declared righteous, and that we should live a righteous life. Um, and then we'll see um, down here about the city of Rome. By the time of Paul was, but uh, by, by the time of Paul, Rome was the most influential city in the world. Paul was a citizen of the Roman Empire, and it was a great desire to preach the gospel of Christ in the imperial city. When Paul wrote to the saints of Rome, he was writing a time of peace, prosperity, and order. Although the infamous Nero was ruling at this time, it was basically a good era because Nero had chosen able men to govern. Rome was a well-ordered society. It estimated the city have a population as large as 4 million. With this huge population, the typical characteristics of a big church could be found. And so we see uh, with this city here is a big city, just like Corinth. We see like Romans, Rome is kind of the, the positive outlook of dealing with the big church. And Corinth gives you kind of that, that negative outlook on dealing with the big church, dealing with uh, those who are various backgrounds and things of that sort. So, so far um, at this point here, we haven't heard anything negative concerning Romans. So it seemed like on um, the Roman church. So it seemed like their, their foundation is pretty solid. Seems like leadership is in order. Um, whereas we just looked at Corinthians, we saw how their leadership was kind of out of order and their doctrine wasn't solid. And Paul had to come to them with various topics and various things that they had to, to, to do. So, um, so this kind of gives you a light on um, looking at the various churches and see how they dealt uh, with, with uh, large congregations and things of that sort. So um, looking at that, that point right there. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty much, uh, with the, with the book of Romans. Um, and, um, the, like I said, for the, for the Roman church was made up of Jews and Gentiles. I believe the author says that it was more of a Gentile church, um, than Jews. But, um, when you look at the, um, the topics and the things that, that, 
that uh, Paul is mentioning in his letter, he wouldn't be mentioning a lot about the law and a lot about the the um, uh, the, the forefathers and the the um, I'm sorry, the patristic fathers and things of that sort. If if there were a Gentile nation, they wouldn't have known this stuff. And so um, it was more particularly more Jew than Gentile, okay? Um, it's just putting pieces together um, of the facts of the city that kind of gave me that conclusion um, against the author. But um, it's just, like I said, just, just continue to read and study and you come up with your own conviction on that. Um, any questions about that? About the about the Roman letter. All right, cool. All right, so let's um, shift here and let's go to our prison epistles. All right, so. Um, so today we're going to look at um, Ephesians and Colossians. Next week, we'll look at Philemon and Philippians, okay? So um, uh, so in order to understand the background of the church, we always go to Acts. So let's go to Acts uh, 19. Let's go to Acts 19, if you have your Bible, which you should since we're in Bible study. Um, Acts 19 and starting at uh, verse eight. And it says, um, he entered the synagogue. So Paul is in Ephesus. So he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn, continue in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, here we go, evil of the way. Before the congregation, he withdrew um, from them and took um, the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Um, this continued for two years so that the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. So here we go, his, um, his typical uh, formula. Every time he goes into the city, he finds a synagogue, he begins to reason, he begins to preach um, to them. And of course, there were some Jews who did not like the, the teaching of the way. That's um, what the, the movement was called. This sect, Jewish sect was called, it was called the way. And they didn't like it. And so they, you know, they pushed them out and Paul went, he found another place and he began to teach um, to, to both Jews and to the Greeks. So both Jew and Gentile. Okay. Um, let's, let's hop over to chapter 20 and let's go through verse 17. So here um, he was in Ephesus for a couple of years. And so now he's about to leave Ephesus and he's having this heartfelt discussion with the elders because it's been revealed to Paul that his time, that his life is coming to an end. Um, his journey is coming to an end. So he has this last uh, moment with his elders. And I, I love this part here. I want you to, to just listen or just uh, follow along um, starting at verse 17 of Acts 20. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus 
and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they had come to him, came to him, he said to them, you yourself know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God uh, and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But but I do not, uh, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among who I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of all, uh, innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves would arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering all, remembering that for three years, I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourself know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by the work, work uh, that by working hard in this way, we must help, help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that he would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So this right here is like his final farewell to the church of Ephesus. This is two years prior to the writing of the letter. And he's giving his heartfelt goodbyes and he's giving them a word of encouragement to, to protect yourselves, protect one another and to protect the flock. And that everything that I've done, I've done it to my best ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I must go because more trials uh, awaits me in Jerusalem. And um, in the next chapter, then you begin to see all of the persecution that Paul is about to go through. He's about to go through trials. Um, he's be about to uh, be placed in jail. 
in Rome and things of that sort. And so uh, this is the journey now uh, to the, the prison part, the prison epistles. And so here we go. Okay, any questions so far, comments? I never read this, this part like this. You know, when I finally put it in frame, it just makes sense. I'm like, okay, this is kind of his journey now, his next part of his life about to deal with imprisonment and trials and things of that sort. And so now he has to put pen to paper to these churches, um, giving them more encouragement. He's still teaching. <laughs> He's still encouraging, uh, encouraging others while he is in chains, while he is in bondage and things of that sort. So, cause he said he, he don't count his life precious or valuable. He's just here doing what it is that the Lord has called for him to do. Okay. Um, the I wonder how many of us would move forward if the Lord told us that we were heading towards imprisonment and suffering. Man, we'll come up with so many excuses. <laughs> nah, we wouldn't do it. We will not. Sure. <laughs> You're right. Now, that takes a faith, a strong faith in knowing that absence from the body means yes. present with the Lord. So that would take a person who has has such a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father in Christ Jesus to know that this is not the end to life. Uh, death is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong, I mean, strong faith. Strong faith. So, uh, what was that? Okay. Yeah, strong faith in God to know that trouble awaits me and, yeah, just is ready to go. So, um, the prison epistles received this title simply because Paul wrote them during a time when he was imprisoned by his enemies. Each of his letters of the letters mentioned his current confinement. Um, so on page in your book, um, after Romans goes into the next um, division of the prison um, epistles here, get there. I'm not sure what page, so somebody holler out the number, but um, the next section, uh, group three, the Pauline, uh, the prison epistles. Um, so here, let's see here. Um, on the slide, it says overwhelming um, internal evidence about the author of these epistles. Um, there is legitimacy throughout church history regarding this place and date. What we do know is that Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon were written at the same time and together were sent um, by Paul to their destination. A date of about 20 signed to these three letters. Philippians was probably the latest uh, written of these uh, prison epistles. Therefore, a date of AD 62 is given for Philippians. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Let's look at this chart here. And so where we're at now is that uh, he is leaving. Uh, he's, uh, we dealt with uh, him writing to, writing to Rome. He was in Corinth. That was about 57 AD. And now, um, and now here about 57 to 59, he's dealing with his trials. And so this is where he's at now. And so he's uh, imprisonment 
he uh, about 60, 60 AD. Okay. And so that's when he began to, to write these letters. Um, and while he is in, in, uh, in prison, give me one second, you guys. Uh, okay. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so this is where we are in this chart here. We are dealing with um, uh, his prison epistles. Um, as, as you see, after 62, he is free. He is free for about five years and then he is in prison again. Um, and so he right here, he's in like more of a, they call it house arrest. Um, and so, um, and so from 62, he was free for five years, so about 67. Um, he began to be under house arrest. And so while he was free, he wrote to Timothy and Titus. And then when he was in bondage again, he wrote to Timothy again and second, second Timothy in 67. Okay. So this is kind of where we're at now. So that's why I said like we're about halfway done. And so, um, let's hop into the, uh, Ephesian letter. Let's see here. We talked about the background and acts, um, he get he told them to make sure you take care I of. I have a question. Sure. So according to this, like, what year did he die? Because I thought I read something that he died around sixty four A.D. Right. Yeah. Um, go back here to this year. No. Let me see. When did he die? Let me see here. I know it was in the 60s. Um, yeah, they they got it like 67. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so this chart, yeah, some of the charts that we may deal with are maybe like a year or two off. So I know it wasn't 70. Right. So it was uh so it was like 67, 68 um when he died. Um so yeah, somewhere around around that time here. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Go. Okay. All right, so here we see on the map, okay, here we go, see on the map where Ephesus is right here. Um, and so uh, as we know, because we've been dealing with the, the book of Ephesians, we should be scholars, we should be, <laughs> we should we should know Ephesians like the back of our hands. We've been dealing with Ephesians for the last seven, seven years. <laughs> and so uh, we should, we should, uh, be uh, experts on the book of Ephesians. And so we know that um, in the letter of Ephesians, that in the first verse, first and second verse, when it says at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, we know that that was added in later manuscripts. And um, the author, he, talk, he talks about that um, in his writing, that, um, that that was added in later on um, and so this letter here is considered considered a circular letter 
um, that it should be spread amongst the region here in Asia. And so these churches here, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Sardis, Laodicea, it should be spread across here. Because when we read the letter of Colossians, um, he, he says um, in Colossians 4 and 16, he says that uh, make sure this letter spreads around. And he said, make sure you guys read the letter to Laodicea. And so scholars are puzzled, like, okay, what letter to Laodicea? What is, are we missing a letter? And so many believe that Paul was referencing the letter um, that was to Ephesus, um, that that was the letter uh, the, of Laodicea that he was talking about. And so, um, and so we have to, we have to when we look at the, the letter, the Ephesian letter, we have to understand that it was not particularly written to the church at Ephesus, that it was written to these churches in the Asia Minor area here, okay? Uh, because it's not, it is not addressing anybody. He's not greeting anybody. Um, you know, usually when, he, when it's to a church, he may greet the elders, greet, you know, whoever. He may even uh, call them by name, but it's more of a general letter, a general greeting. Because when it comes to verse three, he starts hitting hard with doctrine. Like his greeting was two lines. And then all of a sudden he jumps right into doctrine, uh, right into teaching and things of that sort. And so uh, with, with this letter, it's formatted like the um, previous letters. You got the greeting, you got the doctrine, you got the practical, and then you have the closing. So in the first three chapters, you get doctrine. And then the last three chapters, you get practical. And you can see the shift when he's coming from doctrine to practical in chapter four, because he starts his sentence with therefore. And so he gave his whole spiel on sanctification and, and justification and things of that sort. And then now he's showing, he's um, uh, writing the practical part He's talking, he's talking about unity. He's talking about um, marriage. He's talking about um, family. He's talking about righteousness. He's talking about how the Holy Spirit should have control. And he's showing us how this has looked like um, us walking this out. How are we supposed to walk um, the life of discipleship? And once we understand what Paul was meaning, um, Paul meant, in this book, we're able to take those key points and those principles, be able to apply them to our to our lives, because that's the question we ask ourselves all the time. OK, as believers of Christ, how am I supposed to walk this out? What does this look like? You know, and so uh, Paul, he uh, shows us on how we should be unified with one another, um, unity in the faith that we all should be believing the same thing and that he gave us, um, he gave us instructors. He gave the, he gave us teachers and he gave us um, shepherds and things of that sort to help us uh, to obtain the unity of faith. Um, he also talks about um, how, how to walk according to the spirit. Um, and so in, in chapters one and three, he talks about how we've been called uh, before the foundations of the world, um, and that we will continue to hear a call to, to discipleship, to walk in the spirit. 
And then we will have a call to ministry. Taking care of your family is a ministry. Taking care of your, your uh, kids is a ministry. Um, dealing with one another is a ministry. And he wants to make sure that we understand how God wants us to do this. We are so influenced by the world standards on how to operate as, as, a, as a married couple and operate um, as taking care of your kids that we are not clear on what God expects for us to do. And so this is um, chapters four through six gives us that gives us that viewpoint on how to operate as a disciple here on here on, on earth. Okay. So um, it, 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 like I said, it talks about um, the walk. So walking and sanctification, um, how to walk in a, a manner that's worthy of the calling in which you have been called. So don't let no one tell you that you have not been called. You tell them that you've been called before the foundations of the world. And I have been called to a ministry. I have been called to, to preach to, to unbelievers. I have a call to teach to, to, to believers and things of that sort. And so, um, and so that's what it talks about in the scripture of our, of our calling. So if you ever want to understand the calling, you read Ephesians 1 to 3. And then you, when you want to see how that looks like, you read four through six. <laughs> and so that's kind of the structure um, of the letter of um, the book of uh, Ephesians. Okay. I know we're kind of kind of running out of time here. Um, any questions about that or any comments about that? Okay, so when we're looking at the um, the book of Ephesians, it is giving instructions to the body of Christ. And so when we're looking at the Corinthian, um, let's see here, I said that. Okay, this is the structure. Uh, so when we're looking at the, um, yep, I talked about that. Um, the word at in Ephesians is not found in the manuscripts, um, and then it kind of gives you the summary. Okay, so when we're looking at Ephesians, it gives us the, the doctrine for the body, okay? But when we're looking at Colossians, it's giving us the doctrine of the head of the church. So this is where we get our Christology from. Um, how how um, did Jesus, he, he, came, he came into the world, he was this invisible and now he's visible. Um, talks about um, him being the firstborn and connecting, you know, you got to connect it with Genesis and things of that sort. It is, it is the doctrine of the head. That's, that's, um, that's what Colossians is about. Okay. So let's hop in here real quick. So the letter was written to stabilize the church doctrinally. The church was being affected by heretical teaching and Paul wrote to come back to subtle but dangerous teachings. We discussed so, several weeks ago, and even in the Gospels, about the spread of Gnosticism and Judaism and Judaizers. And so um, they were being infiltrated with this gospel. They were dealing with a bunch of different gospels that were coming. And when you begin to study Gnosticism, they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that he was the son of God. 
but there are very subtle things in their gospel that is contrary to what we believe. They believe that when he died on the cross, that it was not him who died on the cross, that his spirit left him before death and that um, there was no way that it could, it could be him on the cross to endure um, that, you know, that bloody and gory um, situation. They, they said, no, that's not him on the cross. It's, some, it's somebody he left before this happened. And remember that Gnosticism, they believe that flesh is bad, spirit is good. And so the first end of Gnosticism is asceticism, where if their flesh begins to act out or um, they begin to beat their flesh and they never fulfill the lust or the desires of flesh, that's why they didn't um, get involved in any entertainment or any type of sporting, sporting events or anything that pleases the flesh, they will reject. And the other end of Gnosticism is called lasciviousness, um, and that in that they um, believe that the flesh is bad. And so therefore I can do whatever I want to do because my flesh is not going to heaven. My spirit is. And so this type of teaching was infiltrating the Colossian church and Paul had to combat it. He had to give the doctrine of who Jesus is. And so, um, and so that's what we get in chapters one to three, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christology. And then in chapters four through six, he gives more of a practical um, look at um, following Jesus Christ. And so um, let's go here. Let's see here. And so the letter, of course, was written 60, 61 AD while Paul was in um, in a Roman uh, imprisonment. It talks about the head. It talks about Christ, the Lord of the universe. And Christ, the head, the head of the body, the head of the home, it says, but the head of the body. And how is that supposed to um, supposed to look like? Um, let's see here. Let's go in the book. I know I'm kind of speeding it up, so I definitely apologize uh, for that. But I wanted to hit one thing, and let's see here. Um, under the Colossian heresy under the section of Colossians. It talks about the heretical teaching at Colossae seems to be a mixture of asceticism, Jewish legalism, and some kind of philosophic mysticism. The chief passage, um, the chief passage relevant to the problem is at um, Colossians 2, 8 to 23. And so they were talking about uh, worshiping of angels and, um, and then they were dealing with um, Jews talking to them about how they still need to keep the law, the Judaizers who, who were still zealous for the law. Um, he said, you know, don't let nobody come to you talking about um, how you have to observe feast days and all this stuff in order to, to be saved. And so what it is with, with the Jews, the uh, God gave them um, some instructions and in the instructions, they had to observe the feast days in order, you know, in order to be saved because it's part of their law. And so they were dealing with uh, with those who were saying, you know, you still got to observe the law. You still got to do these feast days in order to keep your salvation. And Paul had to tell them like, no, we're saved through faith alone. And so he had to um, talk about, um, had to combat that in his letter. And it says in the passage, various elements are mentioned or applied. Angel worship, 
ritualism and some form of Gnosticism um, seem to be present. Uh, the basis of Gnosticism is the idea that spirit is good, but matter is evil. Thus, if Christ took on a material body, he had some evil. <laughs> um, Paul showed the Colossians that he need none of these elements, that they need none of these elements. Christ is all they need. Since Paul combats a heretical teaching in this letter, it is more philosophical in tone than most of other Pauline epistles, okay? So this is what the letter of Colossians is about. When you, when we get deeper or when you just, you know, just, read, you know, studying and you look at some of the Gnostic writings, they show, they write about Jesus, but they, they show like his humanity side and show how sinful he was and things of that sort. And so it's, it's crazy. It's crazy writings. If you look at the gospel of Thomas and the gospel of Mary and all that stuff, it talks about the sinful side of Jesus. And it's just like, you know, he, he, he was, he was without sin. He was perfect. And so, um, and so they, 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 they couldn't believe that because of the fact that he was in flesh, that he had to have some type of sin. And so, um, and so that was kind of the teachings that they were dealing with in the Colossian church. Um, any, any questions about that? Any comments? Where those gospels came from, Mary and Thomas? Um, yeah. Have you done any study on where those, like the origin of those who wrote it? It was, um, it, all I know is it was some Gnostics who wrote who wrote these um, accounts. They were not per se written by Mary or Thomas or anything of that sort. You know they you know they have they have the habit of putting the name on, on a on a um, letter. And so this is this is part of their their gospel though. These letters, <laughs> these letters. So yeah, people that started that um, the thing that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Yeah, that's where they get all that stuff. And Jesus had kids and all that stuff. Gnostic, Gnostic teachings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other comments? All right, cool. I had to kind of speed through that a little bit um, because we're uh, past the 1030 mark. But I, I want to encourage you to read read the section on Colossians and Colossians is only four chapters. It's a real, um, well, quote unquote, easy read, but <laughs> it's a, it's a quick read. Um, the, the Ephesians is a six chapter book. And as we know, six chapters doesn't mean a quick and easy read uh, because of how heavy um, the book of Ephesians is and um, a lot of doctrine. And even in Colossians is a lot of doctrine as well. And so definitely um, read through this section, read through the summary and the introduction and all, and all that stuff. Um, let's see, the doctrine of Jesus, the ministry of Paul, um, discussion of false philosophy, because um, the Jews, they didn't really do philosophy, um, even though there was um, uh, Jewish philosophers. But when it came to the mainstream Judaism, they didn't really mess with philosophy that much. And so uh, they had issues, issues with that as well. And then, of course, um, in the book, it said the life of a practical Christians. But we know that that that's not right. The life of a practical believer. So, um, 
Yep. So that's pretty much that book there. Um, any questions or concerns about that? All right. All right. Cool beans. All right. So next week, uh, we'll hop into Philemon and Philippians, and then we'll end the uh, prison epistles, and then we'll hop into the general, and then and then we'll be at the book of Revelation. So we're 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 close. <laughs> we're close. Uh, so um, let me make sure I take attendance of those who are online. Um, so I, I think I got pretty much every everybody who was online here. Yep. I do. Okay. Um, so if there are any uh, questions or comments, I will go ahead and close out with, with prayer. Okay. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you are God alone. Um, thank you, God, that you allowed us to come together and learn more about your word, Father. And um, I thank you, oh God, that you are God and that you are God alone. Um, I pray, oh God, that we will continue to um, continue to study, continue to um, work through this this um, this New Testament, and uh, so that we can have a clearer and better understanding of Your Word and understand what was uh, what You uh, have given to Paul. Um, what were You trying to say to them, and what are You trying to say to us today? And so, God, we thank You and we honor You for who You are. And um, I give, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Good evening. Wonderful class. Everybody have a blessed day and week. You too. God bless everybody. Church. Love Bye. you. Bye. See you all Bye. later. Bye.